Hey, what's going on, folks? We're back once again. Been a second. Um, today's topic, man, it's it's one of those topics where, you know, by probably looking at the title, people are probably like, oh, what the hell? You know, but at the same time, there are still some people going to be like, ooh, I don't know. I, I got to check this out because they can probably relate um, from past experience, current experiences, or sometime in the near future, you know, that's dealing with this topic. And right. the thing is, you and I have both been there. And sadly, right now, you know, you're currently going through it right at this moment. And and you just had to go through it recently as well. But it's one of those things that, um, you know, at, at some point in time, if you when it comes to someone you care about and, somebody, and not just someone as far as a human, but even your animal, you know, it's going to be a time where one of you are going to have to leave each other permanently, you know, so. It's one of those things that, uh, but what's crazy is that we all have, any one of us who's ever had animals in our lives, or even just, you know, human loved ones, you know, we've all been there, but we've been in that time where we felt like we had no one to talk to about it, or it was hard to find anyone that understood. Even more so in this situation, when you're talking about the passing of a pet, you know, you know, and so, because there's so many people kind of like, well, hmm. They, they kind of put the human spin on and think like, well, you know, it's not like it's crazy. It's like, they think that, well, it's not a human. It's not like it was a family member. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, I think that's what I think that kind of really makes it kind of a, I don't know, man, a very touchy situation. When you well, think I mean, I think those are the people we're speaking to because there's a lot of listeners who are also animal lovers. They've got dogs, they've got cats, they have other pets at home and they, and they are family to those people. Right. So some of us, so anyone who, anyone who talks about their, how much they care about their dogs and how much they love them. Other people that feel the same way are going to get it. Right. And then there's people that look at their animals as accessories. They'll drop, they'll, they'll drop them off at the shelter in a heartbeat and not even lose a night's sleep over it. So we're, we're not speaking to those people. And honestly, I would be offended if any of those kind of people were a fan of my work. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need it. I don't yeah, need it's that. Like, so don't be that guy that when you hear this episode, like, yeah, man, you know, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I actually had to get rid of my dog because I moved to a new apartment, man. They didn't allow dogs there. Like, you know what? You, my friend, go F yourself. Okay. So I'm letting you know right now, if you're that guy or that gal and you're listening, you're that person, do not reply with that. Well, believe me, people that fall in that category, they're going to see the title and not even bother because they're going to be like, who cares about that? It's not that big a deal. We're not talking to those people. We're not trying to convince someone that this should be a big deal. Anyone who's been through this and it is a big deal for them, they're going to get it. They're going to get it right away. So really what I wanted to do is just share stories of start off with how do you know when it's time to do the compassionate thing for your animal, put them down in a compassionate way, the euthanasia option. And then subsequently, how do you deal with the grieving process? And everyone, I'm not necessarily telling people how to grieve. I'm just going to share what I've been through and what worked for me. And hopefully some of it works for other people. And I think that there's a, there's a lot of positive. I mean, there's so many positives. I was talking to some people at the park yesterday where I said that the worst part, this is the worst part of having an animal companion when you're yeah. dealing with this. I've had many, I've had a few animal companions go peacefully in their sleep. You know, that's the best case scenario. I had a senior dog, Petey. He's a Cocker Spaniel. You met Petey when you came out one time. Yeah. And Petey was 15 when I rescued him. It was just a hospice type situation. They didn't expect him to make it out of the year, but he made it to 17. 
you know, it just shows you what happens when you, even an older dog, when you give them some hope and some purpose and they're part of a pack, now they have a reason to live. We definitely wouldn't have made it to 17 if we, if we were at the shelter the whole time, because that's right. depressing for any dog of any age, but especially a senior dog. Now with Petey, I didn't have to make this decision on whether I should put him down or not, because one day I was carrying him down the stairs and I just felt his body go limp. And I've, I've felt that before with my dog, Mona, who also passed peacefully at home. And I knew that I knew it was eminent. So I just laid him down on the carpet I put a blanket over him. And I was just there for him as he passed on. Now that's the best case scenario. That's, that's the scenario that all of us hope for. That's the way we hope it goes down. I mean, ideally, be, I guess the ideal scenario would be that they never die. <laughs> they outlive us, possible. you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's not possible right now. So the best you can hope for is a peaceful death. Unfortunately, it's rare that it goes down like that. The reality that most of us have dealt with, and a lot of, a lot of you listening have definitely been in this situation for sure, is your dog is literally wasting away in front of you. You can see their musculature shrinking. They're having a hard time walking. Maybe they, you have to hold them up when they use the bathroom. They just can't move around. They're, they're, sometimes they're in obvious discomfort, which makes it a little bit more clear that it's the right thing to do. Sometimes they're not in obvious discomfort and you have to wonder, okay, well, what should What's I do? What's going here? on? Because, yeah. Like Grover right now is, now first of all, Grover's 18. He's done really well. And only maybe in the last month did he start going into this rapid decline. And now he's, and he, up until Saturday, he was eating drinking water. He was enthusiastic about eating. I've been giving him his favorite foods for the last month, eggs, peanut butter sandwich, salmon, whatever he likes to eat, sweet potato. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he's been having a good time eating all that. But for the last maybe two days, especially yesterday, he's had really no appetite, even for his favorite foods. And I've just been trying to get calories in him so he just doesn't waste away. But at some point, they're telling you, hey, look, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to eat anymore. I can't go to the bathroom anymore. And you're not doing them any favors when they're in that situation. Now, I always used to be very focused on whether they're eating or not as the final barometer. But a vet I talked to basically said that you don't want to look at that as the only barometer because there are dogs that will eat all the way up until the day they die, but they're in serious discomfort. Right. Our dog, Mickey, our little Maltese was an example of that. He was basically blind towards the end. Not only was he blind, but he had these dry, he had this dry eye condition where the vet basically said every time he blinks, it's like sandpaper scratching his eyes. Mm-hmm. It's very uncomfortable. He had arthritis in his hips and moving around was uncomfortable. He couldn't really hear. So he would just walk around in circles when he would want to use the bathroom. And then we would see him and just pick him up and go outside. He still drank water and he still wanted to eat even the night before we decided to put him down, but he was in a lot of discomfort. And I think that's where a really good vet can guide you in the right direction. You know, no, no ethical vet's going to say, yeah, I think you should put your dog down. They know that that's a decision that you have to make, but they can tell you about, they can do an examination and tell you about the level of discomfort because sometimes it's not always obvious to you. And you're thinking, oh, you know, he's not panting. He's not whining. Not every dog, a lot of dogs are tough. A lot of dogs are really tough. They will suck up whatever, condition they're in and try to do the best they can in it so it's not always obvious like right now i'm looking at grover he's sleeping on his bed and he doesn't look like he's in any really discomfort he's not panting he's not whining he's not having a hard time just being in one position he's resting he's okay but i know that i'm looking now for signs of 
when is this tipping point going to happen? And also, right. should I wait for this tipping point to happen? Why should, should I wait for him to get worse? So I think while eating or not eating is not always an obvious an sign, one thing, right. one thing for sure is this, when they're not eating anymore, that's pretty bad. Yeah. If they're still eating, that doesn't mean necessarily that they're okay, but at least they're still eating. But when they don't want to eat anymore, especially dogs that are voracious eaters, like Grover loves food. Uh, my yellow lab, Rabia, loves food. In the last week of Rabia's life, I, we had to put her down in 2017. She didn't want to eat at all, and that's bad. But even worse, she didn't want to drink water at all. I had to take her to the vet's office for IV several times a week just to keep her hydrated. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I, I remember I was talking to the vet on a Friday, and he goes, well, let's see how she does over the weekend. But my attitude is, <laughs> what's going to happen between now and Monday? Really nothing. She's just right. going to deteriorate even further. So I decided to put her down that night because I could just tell. I mean, she couldn't even go to the bathroom on her own. I would have to hold her up or, or she would collapse. You know, There was no dignity left. There was no pleasure left. She was just a tough dog. So she's dogs will try to survive as much as they can. That's why you have to be the one that makes the tough call for them. They can't make that call. Yeah. <clears throat> And actually, I think the last one was out there with you. I think Rabia was still alive, right? Because when we went to yeah, the park, yeah, she, she was, was with us, you know. And... Yeah, she took a crap in the back of my <laughs> That's right. <laughs> on on That's the right. drive to the park, because I would, I would pick her up and put her in the hatchback. Yeah, okay. And just the adrenaline of the ride over, sometimes she would, all of a sudden, we're, about that, we're driving, and it's, it's, it's too close for us to pull over and clean up. So we just have to deal with that sense until we mm. get there. <laughs> Meanwhile, Grover and everybody else is like, yep, it is what it is. <laughs> Get us to the yeah. park, you know. But you know, you know what's interesting in my experience, and this ties into another point I wanted to make, is that with the grieving process, I'll tell you what the worst feeling is with the grieving process. If you only have one animal at home and that animal passes, and now you're coming home to an empty house, yeah. that's a horrible feeling, man. That is a horrible feeling. What helps a lot, is having another animal at home. Like right now we have Raina. She's five years old. She's young. She's healthy. She's going to be around. So when that day comes where Grover passes, either on his own or we have to make the call for him, we won't be coming home to an empty house. Raina's still here. and She's very energetic and playful and compassionate, loving dog. That makes a huge difference because what happens when, if you only have one dog and you lose that dog, you don't just lose the dog. You lose a lot of the routines you had with the dog as well. You lose this big, this big scenario of normalcy. Right. It's like, it's like, and and sometimes I've seen people where, you know, they're still, they've done this routine so many times. And so they open up the door at a certain time of day, want the dog to go out and they're not there anymore. And they kind of just have to stop for a second. Like, wait, and then that reality kicks back in. It's like, oh, they're gone, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's just because, again, there's really not that much difference, you know, for people who have an animal in their life compared to just losing another human. It's some of those same things, you know, it's just like you with a partner forever. And then one day they're just gone, man. And you're, you're just kind of sitting like, oh, your whole life is different now. And now you're, constantly, you're thinking, what do I do now? Because... <laughs> 
that was your routine. You get up, you take you take your, you know, dog. We're speaking of dogs specifically, you know, in this episode, but it could right. be, you know, cats, yeah, fish, whatever. You know, we're talking about dogs. <laughs> you yeah, know, you I, I've been there with the go. I've been there with the fish situation too. You know, and and don't get it twisted. You know, that hurt because even just the way they went out, you know, and then that was just that was basically due to neglect with the person I was with oh, <laughs> at that time. So it makes it a lot worse, and and that's also. I feel like um was a big part of why, you know, one of my dogs passed away. Other than the fact that at the time, you know, um I, I was, you know, my wife at the time we were separating. And so I moved out, but you know, not want to take the dog away from the kids, you know, I left them there with them. But right. the thing is, the the primary caregiver to our dog was me. Yeah. So it got one of the situations probably about a month or so after I moved out or whatever. I just get a call, man, right in the middle of the day. It was one of my kids and, you know, and they were just bawling out of control. And I'm thinking, like, okay, what the hell is going on? What's happening? So naturally, I'm already, because again, it's already a very sensitive situation with the whole <clears throat> separation and all that. And I'm not living there anymore. So just about, it, basically, I was on edge for about everything at that time because I'm really trying to create some type of normalcy for them in, in, in every situation. And so, so when I'm, you know, hearing them crying like this, I'm like, what's going on? And it's just like, you know, and, you know, my kiddo's just like telling me that, oh, you know, it is, you know, Isabella was the name of our dog at the time. You know, she's not moving. She, I, I think she's, you know, I think she's dead. I was like, what? So I'm thinking like, okay, first thing goes my mind, did somebody hit her? Like, did she get hit by a car? Did y'all, did she like break out of the, you know, from under the fence once again and then on the street or something like that? And so it was just, so then I just hurry up and got it packed up, man. And I didn't live that far away, probably not even a, probably not even a quarter of a mile away. So I got over there within a couple of minutes and, you know, th- there was our dog just sitting there lying outside, but she was lying outside right by the porch, which was so weird to me. So I'm like, okay, there's no, nothing here, you know? So, and it looked like she was just, I don't know, man. And so I, you know, had to get her, because my kids were losing this, their stuff at the time, you know, just seeing that. Yeah. And so, you know, I just, I just, so I took her away and took her with me, you know, and took, went back to my apartment. So I'm sitting there like, dude, I had, I had no plan. You know, that, that was nothing I ever planned for, sure. you know, because, you know, at the time my ex-wife, she was at work and her job was like 30 miles away. So she doesn't right. even know all this is going on. So I'm just thinking like, okay, what, what do I do? It's like, you know, I never planned for her to be gone, you know, because she was basically still a puppy, you know. So, I mean, she was about not necessarily a puppy, but man, she was about three years old. OK, wow. so wow. she's young and and vi- just vivacious and healthy and, and dude, like full of energy. So it just I was confused for one thing. And I was like, OK, I don't know how this happened, what happened and what am I going to do? Cause here I am, I'm sitting in this apartment, you know what I'm saying? With my, you know, with my dog who just passed. So I don't know, like what's the protocol. Yeah. And you know, so, um, so I call, I call the city, you know, and man, oh my God, so I can tell you guys right now, please, if you have a, if you have an animal, have a protocol in place, just like as you would within the humans in your life. Right. Because you don't, once again, you don't ever want to leave it up to any form of government. Because <laughs> they don't give a damn whatsoever. Okay. So I'm calling the city and I'm like, okay, so what do I, you know, where do I need to bring? Oh, no, you can't bring her. 
I'm like, what? No. I said, okay, so, you know, how do I, you know, what do I need to do to get you guys to come out here and pick her up? Oh, no, you can't do that either. I was like, so what do I do? Yeah, so basically what you have to do is you have to leave her, you have to leave her on the side, of, on, on, on the curb. I'm like, what? Leave her on the curb and someone will come pick her up. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, are you serious right now? <laughs> and he's like, that's it. I was like, okay. So I'm thinking like, okay. I, <laughs> so yeah, so all, but it's so clinical and no compassion. None, whatsoever. dude. I'm saying like, okay. I'm not just going to leave, like leave her out there next to the trash or whatever by herself and decomposing. I'm like, what time are y'all coming? It could be anywhere between this and this, <laughs> man. I was like, okay, this is, this is a catch 22 because I'm not going to just leave her out on the side by herself. You know, I, I, I needed to sit out there with her, but at the same time, whenever one of these Jack, when this jackass rolls up, I'm going to beat his ass. <laughs> you know? So also I'm in a very bad way. I don't know what to do right now. Like be here with my dog, you know, to the very end or risk going to jail. And <laughs> when it's cause I know I'm going to like, there was nothing that could tell me I was going to do anything else, but beat this dude's ass when he shows up, <laughs> you know, that's it. That's all I had already made up my mind. So I'm going to beat. <laughs> even though he wasn't what I'm talking to on the phone. I'm going to beat his ass on behalf of the jackass. I just spoke to and everybody that voted for the jackass mayor and everybody, all these politicians in, who are in over, over all this stuff. I'm whooping <laughs> your ass for half of Houston, <laughs> you know, for making this mistake and thinking it's, Oh dude. So basically you know, I so you know, I, I put in a blanket, covered her up, you know, and just kind of lay there and also kind of protect her. I didn't want anybody coming by or even just even coming anywhere near her. Yeah. So I just sat there on the back in, on the back of my truck, and, you know, I was parked right there by where they were gonna pick her up. And I waited. And then once I saw this dude like coming down the street, I just had to walk away and just kind of go back inside the park, you know, the complex from the gate and just kind of look from afar. Yeah, I need to get far enough away that if I ran to get him, he'd have time to get he'd have time to get in the truck. <laughs> so it was very calculated. Like it was probably one of the worst things ever. And I said, you know what? I will never go through this again. So, A, I made sure to never. So anytime like my ex and those kids wanted like, you know, to take care of anything other than themselves, I didn't support it. I'm like, nope. You know, it really sucked because, you know, even when I had moved out, you know, there were times they would go out of town or whatever. And, dude, I was so happy to like to like, you know, take care of her. I was like, yeah, don't even worry about that. I'll take care of her. She can stay with me or whatever. But every time she was so happy, she was way different. She was happy to be with me. And I was like, man, it's so many times I was like, okay, I don't want to be selfish. I really want to keep it for myself. But it's for the kids. You know, but there was so many times and my gut always told me, like, you should take her. You know, the kids can just visit, you know, play with them, visit her here at your place. Right. You know, that was my big thing. Again, dude, just uh, one of those experiences. Like, I, <clears throat> now I know better. Yeah. Now I know better. Even though I'm with someone now, like, uh, I feel like she's probably way more of an animal lover than both of us. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's saying a lot. That's yeah. saying a lot. But man, it's like when I... <laughs> But this is someone who's like, okay, there's no need to even talk about having kids because these are like her children, right? you know, everything right. like just even just the way the thing she buys is half the time I'm looking at Paulette. I'm like, don't buy that. <laughs> I said, you know, they're dogs, right? Don't do that. Said, oh, don't, don't be that. Don't be that. Don't be that lady. <laughs> I said, next you'll be dressing them up in costumes and everything. I said, please don't be that person. Like, she a, crack crack. Suit for a dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> I said, why is, why is that dog look like a Russian drug dealer? <laughs> Back suit, sunglasses, hat on backwards. Exactly. <laughs> Wearing sneakers. I'm like, what are you doing? Don't do that. And other dogs are probably looking at me and laughing like, what? look at this guy. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. So, but there was times I wanted to keep her. And, um, and like I said, I should have just go with my gut. So you best believe like it's way different now. And even just probably just talking about this episode, if I even just tell Paula about this episode, she's probably not going to want to hear it because she just doesn't even want to think about that. But I'm like, I've been there, but I've been there. And I think about that. I mean, so much so that sometimes when my bulldog is asleep and the thing is he's so healthy, so he's not the typical bulldog. Most bulldogs have nasal problems. They have congestion. They have breathing issues, you know, just because they have the short snout. You know, a lot of them are usually like very much overweight, obese. And man, it's like they just have this awful smell. It's it's horrible because when you're not taking care of them and you're giving them the wrong diet and you're trying to give them a diet that, that you know, either you want the conventional diet of kibbles and all this other stuff, or you want to sit there and just give them like, oh, well, this is how I believe. So I'm going to feed them the way I eat. Like, that's no, you got you got to really understand the species, you know, and not every dog is alike. So that's the thing about it. So you can't always feed each one of them the, the exact same way sometimes, too, especially ones that have a higher health risk. So there are times, man, like I said, like ours is very healthy because we, we really dialed it in and figured things out and did a lot of research. And to the point where every time anyone sees them, God, this bulldog is so healthy. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, when we first got him, though, we first rescued him. It wasn't like that, man. He's come a long way, you know. So it's to the point I like, you know, there was something like. Every now and then you'll hear him like snore or hear whatever. But there, before, dude, he snored like an old man. Like he could not breathe. And like it, it got to the point where <laughs> it was hard for us to sleep at night, you know, and like especially yeah. at our, our last um, home, it's like it was three floors. You could hear him snoring all the way up on the third floor. It was <laughs> loud, man. It was terrible. <laughs> so Paulette got to the point where she had like um, this little portable like she had a portable humidifier and a portable heater depends on what time of year it was or whatever. So she'd always have to turn it on and kind of try to drown him out. But it's to the point now, like I said, man, he's so healthy at this point after all these years that you never really hear him snore. You don't really hear him breathe. And so there's times when he's sleeping and he hasn't moved. I, I, I kind of get a little worried, man. I get up because again, I'm thinking bulldog unhealthy, but I'm like, dude, your bulldog is super healthy, but I'm always in that little, I still have that PTSD from my first dog. You know, from from you know, well, you know I don't away. think that's too unhealthy because you never know when things can turn with dogs. Exactly. So, like I said, so you I've, never I've, have those indicators, like you were saying. Sometimes it's not always the typical stuff. So there are no. times he's not like he's so peaceful in sleep. I have to kind of walk over and just I have to stare for a little while because I mean his his breathing is so even now. So it's not like this big giant inhale and then a collapsing right. exhale. That's how right. he was when we, you know, when we first got it. You know, so you could really tell it all, he reminded me of myself when I had asthma as a kid. Like, that's how I would have to breathe, man. It's like you take this big, deep, 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 and then phew, it just come out. But now it's like he doesn't even move. So I'm like, I have to go over there sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm probably just a few minutes short of just getting a small mirror and putting it by his nose, you know, just get a little fog <laughs> or something. Like, come on, bro, show me some signs, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, man, you kind of get into that, that paranoid state, but. Like so I, said, I, I learned a lot. Scenarios like what you said, where you have a young dog who just developed some health condition rapidly and then it's gone in no time. And I, I really think, I, man, I really think, and I've told you this, you know, personally, I really think that, you know, I think that she actually, I think she passed away from depression. 
because yeah. I wasn't there anymore because yeah. she yeah. probably felt like she lost a friend. And then every now and then, you know, she'd stay with me on, you know, for a weekend or whatever, while, you know, my ex and my kids traveled or whatever, but then had to go back home and, you know, and taking her back was always the worst because she'd always look like, what are you doing? Like, why are you not coming in, coming in the house? Where have you been? First of all, it's, it's so hard for them because you can't explain to them. Exactly. What so they don't, they don't, they're like, what, what's going on here? Why am I being dropped off here? Even when we take Raina to be dropped off at a pet resort, Oh gosh, it's stressful for her, even though she's only going to be there for a day or two. She doesn't know that she's only going to be there for a day or two. I mean, once she's gone to the same place multiple times and she's like, okay, I'm going to be here for this time. And then he always shows up and gets me right. It becomes less stressful each time. But the first time for all they know, they could be thinking you're dropping them off permanently. You know, they don't know. Especially their rescue. You know, they're like, Hey, I'm not, we're we're doing this again. (laughs) Like seriously. (laughs) Oh, hell no. Do you fed me all that good food and play with me just to drop me off? You suck. (laughs) (laughs) Then you show up, man, they they lose their shit. They're like, Oh, he's back. My human is back. Thank you. (laughs) But but, but I like two things on this topic. Number one, when, when it's, when, when you're trying to decide when it's time to do the right thing for them, the compassionate act and have them put down. Just when it's on your mind constantly, that's usually a pretty clear sign that it's that time or yeah. it's coming. It's coming fast. Otherwise, it's not going to be on your mind. I mean, look, when, when Grover is even doing reasonably well, I'm not even thinking about that. Right. But in the last couple of days, I have thought about that. Just like with Mickey. And Mickey was in a really bad state. Carol's, I mean, these are all our dogs, but Carol is Mickey's person more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So Carol really had a hard time with that decision. She was like, no, you know, as long as he's eating and all that. And I didn't want to say anything. I wanted to be supportive, but I also felt that she needed to hear a different perspective. So I go, hey, you know, let's take her to the vet because I'd already been to this vet a week before with Grover. And she gave me the, her honest assessment of Grover. She felt like he was in a pretty bad state and he probably had weeks or a month to live. And now it's a month later and she's proven to be fairly accurate. And she didn't say it in a callous way. She was very compassionate. It was just very honest too. So we took Mickey there. She did a thorough assessment and that's when she just broke down all the discomfort he's in. And I think that made it much more clear what the right move is for Carol. The next you're always thinking, you're always thinking like, you don't want to pull the trigger too quickly. Yeah, You you know, cause you're like, well, what if I made a decision too hastily? You know, yeah, what if, what if, what they, what if they get better the next day? They're just feeling off for a couple of days. And then you say, exactly. okay, and then if you just let them live two more days, they would have been fine. Right. Yeah, that's what you start thinking. But honestly, when it, when they're towards the end of their life, they're not going to get better. And you just have to accept that because it's, I've never had a dog that was a senior on death's door. And I just said, okay, let's just let it play out. And then they got better. You know, right. I let Bia suffer for a week, honestly, is she but, you know, the interesting thing with Rabia is this. I took her to the vet's office when she was feeling, when she looked like she was in a bad state. They did a thorough analysis of her blood work and everything came back fine. But what's interesting is I went there anticipating that the vet's going to say, I think it's time to put her down. So I'd already mentally prepared myself for that strong possibility, given mm-hmm. the state she was in. But when he said that, it was almost cruel in a way because it gave me a glimmer of hope. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, good. Yeah. You know, her blood work is good. Maybe she's just, you know, feeling off. You know, she'll be fine by the end of the week. But she didn't want to drink water. She didn't want to eat anything, including her favorite foods. And like, again, labs are voracious eaters. They yeah. live to eat. So when they, especially her, so when you, when she would break down the gate to get into the kitchen, you know, <laughs> and you put the food down, she would just bulldoze it like a rhino to get yeah. in there. So when she didn't want to eat, and especially when she didn't want to drink water, that's a really bad sign. That means they, they are in such a depleted state 
where it's too much effort for them to even bother trying to get up and go get some water. Forget about food. They, they don't right. even bother with that. So by the end of that week, you know, that was when I took her back in and the vet said, well, let's see how she does over the weekend. But at that point, I already knew that she's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse from here, especially at her age. Yeah. Generally, when it's on your mind, especially when you're, if you're someone who really loves your animal, you don't want to suffer. Yeah, and you're in tune with them. So, you, you, you know, the thing is, you, you spend so much time when you know them. You know them, you know, they're actually just kind of like you. It's like, you know, even someone can tell you something different. Like, nah, just like I was saying, you like with my dog, you know, I knew it's like, you know, I really should take her with me. Right. I, I know this is just I didn't think that she would pass away. Right. I just felt like eventually my ex would have moved on and been with somebody who would not have loved, you know, our dog the way that I did. Right. And, you know, then. I mean, it's no different than I feel like, you know, even with my kids, I was like, mm, yeah, this person might be like, well, I love you. So I love them. Yeah, that's 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 all fine and good. But rarely <laughs> do people when they, especially they have nothing attached in the very beginning with any of these beings. You know, it's 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 it can be a little difficult to believe right. that. Right. You know, or it becomes a work in progress. You know, yeah. something they have to work at. Right. You know, so. Right. You know, every, you know, it's rare cases you get someone who's just right out the bat, like, oh, I love them like it's my own, you know. So that's right. that's becoming rarer and rarer these days. Oh, no doubt. I mean, so it, it's, so like I said, like, any, if anyone knows, you know, your animal, it's you. <clears throat> I mean, especially because you spend all this time with them. And honestly, a lot of times you're more in tune with them than you are with the other human that you're with. <laughs> you know, because your animal's not keeping shit from you it's not you know it's like oh i don't want to bother them with this it's like no nah, look dude i see you i like you come over here pet me rub me take me for a walk feed me you know let me out yeah, I need dog, dogs really teach you about life they teach yes. you about how easy it is to be happy and how much time we waste making ourselves miserable because and, dogs are dogs are just simple when it comes to happiness like every time grover sees me he would light up even to this day you know he'll look up to see if i'm around and once he sees me he's good that's all it takes. He just wants yeah. to be around me. He just wants to be around me. He wants to have some food. He wants to feel safe. Arena, she, she is really calm during the day. She wants to go to the park every day and play with her friends and get some fresh air and sniff things. And if she gets that, she's a happy camper. Yeah. So they, they, it's never boring for her. We never drive to the park and then she never sticks her head out the windows like, oh, great. Here's the same thing I saw yesterday. <laughs> it, it's always fun. She's always happy to do it. She's always appreciative of doing it. And she's always excited to see her other friends at the park, always. So do- dogs get it. Now, they teach us a lot. Dogs are. They can also teach dogs. us by being in the moment, too, because yeah, we're yeah, so exactly. distracted. Dogs are really. About, here's the thing. When dogs get distracted, it's usually for something fun or for good for a good reason. You know, they're, they're playing with you and all of a sudden or they're growling. Well, they're sensing something is off. Right. You know, so they're they're not necessarily being distracted. They're just doing what they do best. You know, they're protecting you. They're looking out for you. They know something's not right. Or if they see a squirrel and he's like, hey, go chasing after a squirrel. That's fun for them. You know, so it's just <laughs> that's a welcome distraction. But other than that, they're in the moment, man. And they can really teach you about that. And like you said, it's, they can really teach you about simplicity. And we really overcomplicate things. And I'm I'm not even going to lie to you, dude. The more and more time I spend my dogs, the more and more I just kind of just really, I already had a pretty simple life. And But the more and more, I think it's being with them has helped my wife more than anything because you know she's a person that really before we met i mean she still likes you know the finer things and all that but she was doing a lot of distracting 
meaning from her previous marriage or whatever, because she was so miserable with that. She would distract herself by, you know, I mean, she's an interior decorator at the time and she also had her own businesses. So she, man, she would just pile on the the work, you know, the contracts and constantly keep herself busy. So she would never have to go home and deal with her ex. And then in her free time, and again, to not deal with him, she'd be with my sister-in-law and they'd just be shopping and and just (laughs) out consuming things, you know, just buying, 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 just consuming and buying, you know, because she likes high-end stuff. So that's what she'd be doing. Whereas then she meets me, you know, who's very, you know, minimal for the most part, you know, and I really, I can't stand shopping. Okay. First of all, you know, my thing is by the time I step foot in the place, to purchase something, I've already done the research or I already know what I want. I'm not a window shopper. I just think that is the dumbest thing ever. Window shopping gets on my nerves. <laughs> it's like, there's nothing exciting about that. I'd rather be here at home with my dogs chilling than to go out going from, to like stores and all this other stuff. So it's really helped her learn how to be in the moment and really just strip down and realize you don't need all that stuff because you have everything you need right here. It's like, You've got truly unconditional love from animals. That's what people need to understand. I always have people tell me, like, when humans tell another human, I love you unconditionally. That's bullshit. <laughs> you, you just don't know what that one thing is. But there's always that one thing that can make you like, you know what? I'm done. I'm well, we have, done. We've all had experiences such as you're in a relationship and you, you get to that phase where it's you say I love you every 10 minutes. and you know, you're, you're love bombing each other. And everybody's in love. I love you. I love you. I That's love that you. new relationship love, energy is what they and call it. And then six months later, that relationship's long gone. It's like, where did all the love go? Well, the honeymoon phase you know, is over. Like, and damn, that's not, you, now it's time for from, the work. You went from love to hating me real fast. Man. It makes <laughs> you wonder if you ever really did love you in the first place. It's like, how could you go from saying you love someone to just having that love and then feeling like you hate that person in such a time span? That, that's the complexity of people. But with animals, it's never like that. You're not going to have a dog who loves you. And then all of a sudden, the dog goes through a phase where he or she hates you. Well, that's the thing about it. Because humans have these high expectations of each other. And so, which is, again, throws out the whole unconditional love thing right off the bat. <laughs> you know, so it just made that null and void. Or, you know, <laughs> your animal's just like, hey, dude, hey, you good? They're, they're, they're more concerned about you most of the time. You know, they're checking on you. If you sit there crying or whatever else, they're all in your face. Like, hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what do I need to do? What do I need right. to do? Where sometimes you see your other, your significant other crying and we're like, you crying over this movie? That's dumb. But your dog <laughs> is sitting there looking like, oh man, you know, my human's sad. I'm like your human's watching a soap opera. She's not sad. She's special. <laughs> but they don't yeah, know the difference Raina, they don't, and they don't Raina's care. Very, yeah. Raina's very in tune with my feelings that way. I mean, she's, I just moved to my office and she just came right over immediately because she knows I have a lot on my mind recently and she yeah. can kind of pick up on my energy because you know she's a therapy dog too. I take her everywhere. So she, she spends a lot of time with me. So dogs yeah. become, they become very in sync with you yep. over that. And that's one of the, the great pleasures of having an animal friend because you don't get that kind of, it's a, it's a really unique experience. It's a unique relationship and it's a great one. Now, one people can sit there and say everybody. like, you know, you can get them from humans. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, Here's the thing, you can feel what you're feeling and you don't have to worry about your dog. Like, what's wrong? <laughs> or why are you not talking? Something's right. wrong. She's like, I'm fine. It's like, no, no. Then why you look like that? You know, you can talk to me, right? And then your dog's not doing that. <laughs> they just know, man. And then again, just somebody, when you look at them, it's like, yeah, you know what? It's, what I'm feeling right now sucks. But hey, man, you know, I'm not alone. You're yeah. really not alone. You know. That's a big one right there. Is I look at Grover, you know, we've had Grover since 
2007. So basically within yeah, a long year. As long moving, as I've known you. Yeah. Yeah. Within a year. I mean, in fact, a lot of my fans from the early days do know Grover. They've seen him in my videos. I used yeah. to, have to ask about him at my seminars overseas. They're like, Hey, how's Grover? Grover's in a lot of my clips on YouTube. And I'm, yeah. I'm really glad I have those clips of, of me and Grover, because that's going to be something that I take solace in moving forward. That's for sure. So I'm really yeah. glad I have those, but it's, it's, the dog has been, Grover's been there through all the ups and downs of life from then to now. Mm-hmm. He's been there at the high moments when you're feeling euphoric and you feel great. He's been there at the low moments when you're depressed and despondent. And having animals around, in particular having him around, always made a big difference. When you're in a really good mood, you're in a better mood because he's there. You're in a really bad mood, you're still in a bad mood, but it's not as bad because like right. you said, you're not alone. And plus you can go do something. I was about Sometimes to say, like, if you're in a bad mood, then your dog's going to like, hey, you know, we could take a walk. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I would have a lot on my mind and I would be like, you know what, Grover, let's just load up and go to Red Rock. But what's the one thing that I've benefited from is that for each dog that has passed, I always had an other dog around that was younger. So when Mona passed, that was the first dog I ever had on my own. I had her since Santa Monica. So she passed in 2011. Grover was only around, I don't know, five or six years old at that point, if even that. So I still had Grover and we still had Mickey. So we had two dogs at the house. One's gone, but we still have two at the house. That makes a huge difference for all the reasons we discussed already. And then now, now it's like musical chairs because now Raina has taken Grover's place because for a while Grover was my sidekick. He wanted to go everywhere I went. He would go with me running errands. We'd go to the, he always wanted to go to the park. He just wanted to be around me at all times. As he got older, I could tell that he didn't really want to go to the park anymore. And he certainly didn't want to go for walks. So he would be miserable out there. I would be dragging him around the park, trying to get him to walk. And I realized, you know what? This dog is 16, 17. Just let him let him relax. And you don't have to make him do anything he doesn't want to do at this point. Just let him relax. If he just wants to stay home and chill, just let him stay home and chill. But I had Raina at that point who basically took younger Grover's place because right. now I'm walking her. The walks I used to do with Grover and Rabia, now I do with Raina. When Rabia couldn't do those walks anymore, she couldn't go to Red Rock anymore, Grover still could do that. Now Grover can't go to Red Rock, can't do the long walks. Raina can still do that. And I'm telling you, for someone who loves animals, you love dogs, this makes a huge, huge difference because the worst thing is that empty house feeling or that empty apartment feeling. You're just, or some people, some, a lot of people listening, they live alone. Yeah. The, the only real companion they had was their dog. And now that is that dog is gone. It feels like a part of you is dead too. It feels like a, like a, a part of your soul has been cut out and, and is gone. I mean, what it is when you really think about it, because, you know, that they have certain sections of like, you know, your, your heart and your mind or whatever. And, you know, so no, no matter how you look at that, there is a part of you that is, gone in this in this in this world you know and now you are left with memories and when you spend so much time with them almost everything you look at or any place you go pretty much will remind you of them and so that sometimes people take solace in the fact that that helps them live forever just like you were saying about you have so many videos with you and grover you know there's some solace in knowing that that part of him will live forever you know and it's not like he'll be forgotten because and then like you said so many most of us who were like your customers, especially like, you know, in the very beginning, you know, like I said, I've, I've pretty much 
known you right around the time you got Grover. I think we met like in 2006 or 2007 is when we first, like first connected and I bought some of your products. So it was right around the time. So like, I, I can't, I don't know you without Grover, honestly, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like at all. Um, like I said, I, I remember Rabia. Um, I vaguely remember uh, Mona, vaguely. I think the time I did meet you the first time, I think she slept a lot. <laughs> you know, she wasn't interested, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. you know, and doing too much. It was usually Grover's the one I was always playing with. Well, that's how Mona, that's, see, I've been through this musical chairs game with dogs so many times when I think about it, because when I first, when I first moved to Santa Monica, I didn't have any dogs and I lived in an apartment where you weren't even allowed to have dogs. I wasn't even anticipating, I wasn't even thinking about getting a dog. I was so focused on making up for lost time and building my fitness business. Right. And then through my ex, there was one of her friends rescued Mona from a kill shelter and she was just looking for someone to foster her while they find a permanent home. So you already know how the story is. <laughs> <Fostering> is, a, <laughs> fostering is a trap. I'm telling you that now. You can tell you so can this, have the best intentions, like, oh, I just want to, you know, we're gonna foster for a little while and then find them a permanent home. Like, no, you are the permanent home. <laughs> well, I, I feel I feel that either way it's beneficial. Here's what I yeah. mean by that. If you're a foster fail, that's great. If you're not a foster fail, that's good too, because we need those people. Foster is right. a huge difference because they help socialize dogs and calm them down. So you can really see their personality when yep. someone is looking to rescue them. If they're just sitting in a shelter in a cage all day long, you don't you really, really know. You never know yeah. how, how well they get along with dogs or, so or children are, or other people. Or fosters, are, fosters are instrumental with helping animals get a permanent home. That said, I've never been successful. <laughs> I've always been a foster fail. And I, w- I would like to theoretically, I've looked at a bunch of organizations recently. I was like, I don't want to do it right now because actually I, I signed up to be a foster for one organization. This organization that rescues golden retrievers from meat farms in Korea and overseas. Damn. So they're doing a really good job. They transport these dogs here and then they get not just golden retrievers, but it, they have a lot of golden retrievers, but they're all dogs rescued from the dog meat industry. So they need fosters as well. So I actually filled out an application, not thinking that they would get back to me anytime soon. I just wanted to have it in their system. I mean, the lady called me up the next day and said, hey, are you interested in this? And I said, look, I would love to, but I've got an old senior dog at home. So I really don't want to bring in another dog right now that doesn't understand our routine. Right. Like some energetic puppy that's just crazy. It's going, well, going to require more of your time. You know? Right, right. Because yeah, I, I can't focus on that right now. I go... Most likely Grover's not going to be around much longer. At that time, I was thinking a couple of weeks and that's, I'll be surprised if he makes it out of this week. You know, that's where I'm at right now. <clears throat> I'm not going to be immediately available to foster another dog after he passes, but right. I would say a couple of months down the road, I would definitely consider it. And that that'll help too, because it's, you're taking the love you have for your dog and you're paying it forward, helping another dog. And that's exactly. something else that really helps with the grieving process. Going, going back to your point, though, about how you called the city and they wanted you to leave the dog in the side of the road. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mean, you want to have a good relationship with your vet because anytime I've ever had a dog, I've had two dogs pass at home. I just called the vet's office. I brought the dogs in. They took care of the cremation process. They gave you the ashes if you wanted it. They took a paw print if you wanted that nice little souvenir. So most most vets will take care of that for oh, you. Oh, yeah, because I've learned my lessons. So, you know, we... <laughs> we have a great vet now, you know, and even a great backup vet for, yeah, for both. That, that's both, key too. You know, go like, I, I'm a big believer in two is one, one is none. 
Yeah, you know, because because something can happen. One could be on vacation and be in the Bahamas or something. And then that's the weekend that your dog gets sick. And that's another thing, weekends. You know, always having that vet that's all, that's available on weekends too. Because guess what? Just like your car, things always tend to go wrong on the weekend. It's like the world knows. It's always go, things happen when things are closed. Oh, you know, it's so, it's so true, man. You're traveling. It's like yeah, you don't have a flat until the middle of the night on a dark road in Humphuck, <laughs> Egypt, you know, that seems like a scene out of some horror movie, you know, and then you call in AAA and there won't be a truck coming for another hour and a half to two hours. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So, and then like, where are you? And the thing is your GPS is, you don't even have a signal. You can't even get a satellite signal there. So yeah, basically <laughs> welcome to the purge. So we, we were at a emergency animal hospital one time, Raina broke one of her nails. We had to have that removed. And while, while we're waiting outside, this guy came out by himself and he was in tears. And I already knew what he was crying yeah. about. You know, I could tell you could, he, this guy was, he was trying to hold it together to get to his car, but he was having a hard time. It happened so fast that I didn't get a chance to say anything to him. I, I would have liked to have said, Hey man, I'm real. I'm really sorry for your loss. I've been there just so he knows that someone else knows what he's feeling at that moment. But it happened so fast. I didn't even get a chance to do that. But I, I could tell that what made it worse for this guy. And I'm just guessing this, but it's pretty apparent to me is that, this is obviously not where he takes, this is not his dog's regular vet. This right. is something where something happened over the weekend where he had to make an immediate decision and he had to take his dog in the middle of the night to an emergency Strangers. hospital that he's probably never been to before to say goodbye. Right. And that, that's, that's a terrible feeling. So ideally, if you can, you can have, ideally if you can either have someone come over to your house to take care of it or your place, or you can take, an animal to a veterinary place that he or she has been to many times. So at least it's a familiar environment. Now, those, those are always better options, but life is not always going to bend to what's the best option for you. Sometimes right. you're going to be in that situation where you do have your dogs in a parent, your dog's really distressed and you can't wait till Monday it's Friday and your dog's miserable. And it's just going to be two days of being even more miserable by the time you get to what's your number one option. And that's where those emergency, it's good to know, it's good to have it on file, which emergency hospitals are open Yep. seven days a week, weekends, so that you have, you can make a decision quickly if you have to. Yeah, it's like, even um, once we moved recently, that's one of the first things I do. I look for, okay, what veterinary services are nearby, what 24-hour animal, you know, hospitals nearby, and then what 24-hour, you know, um, emergency care is near, for us, for humans, you know, <laughs> Because sometimes, you know, it might be closer than actually getting to the hospital if something goes down or whatever. So just really having those contingency plans in place. You know, there's so many people that don't want to think about these things like, oh, I don't want to think about that. Well, you need to, because guess yeah, what? Yeah. Life doesn't care that you're afraid to think about the one guarantee in life, which is death. OK, that's the only thing. So since we already know that this is written in stone, why not prepare for it, you know, and, and make the most? I mean, it even goes down to. Just like even with humans and their insurance, you know, but they don't want to talk about death insurance. I'm like, well, <laughs> you need to think about that. And if you have an animal, you need to think about that as well. Like have some things in place for their health, because guess what? We're not going to be 100% healthy the entire time that we're in existence. Right. Especially these days with everything that's going around and, and, you know, human wise, we, we stress over everything. And because the world makes us stress over everything. And then throw in the care for other beings, children and animals, you know, there's, there's more worry and stress to put on top of that because you're, again, you're the one that's in charge of their well-being. And so that being said, you know, it's a lot more comforting to know that you already have a plan in place for not if, but when. 
because right. that's what this is. This is a win situation. <laughs> it's not an if situation. And so. it, it's as, as macabre as it sounds, as dark as it sounds, that the positive is that when, when you have that on your mind, you're going to make the life they have more meaningful. You're gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you spend more time. You know, with Hicks and Gracie, in Hicks and Gracie's book, I read it last year, a really good book. One of, one of his sons died in this horrific manner. And he said that after his son died, it changed his whole perspective on time. Because before, if one of his daughters called him up and he was on the way to the airport and she had a problem, I'll wait till, wait until uh, I'll call you when I get to wherever I'm going. He said, now, if that happens, he'll just pull off the side of the road. He'll miss his flight. He doesn't care. He'll miss the flight. He'll take the time to talk to his daughter because that's more important. And you're not always going to have that. So he said that was the gift that his son gave to him when he passed is yeah. that it made him more cognizant of time and, and, and spending time with the people that are important to him and prioritizing the people that are important to him. And I think that's a really good way to look at anyone passing, whether it's a, a parent, a spouse, someone you care about, an animal, is that it's a reminder that your day is going to come too. Yeah. So make every day count. I'm not going to say anything stupid like live as if it's your last day because look, if today's my last day. <laughs> no, 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 I can't do that. I, I, I wouldn't be here recording this episode with you. Well, let me tell you, if, today, <laughs> if I'm going to live like today is my last day, most likely I'm going to do something stupid and make it my last day. <laughs> Like Jim Florence, that's a whole video. Goes, look, if it's my last day, I was like, I'm going to go hit on my friend's wife. Who cares? It's my last day. <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm going to go be inappropriate to every person I see. It's my last day. It's like, you know, it better be your last day, motherfucker. <laughs> it's going to be your last day. Yo, that's stupid shit. I'm like, man, that is the ultimate setup, man. Like, no, nah, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I always laugh. I did it like live, you know, to my, and then when people say, Hey, you only live once. No, the thing is you, 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 to my, no, you live a lot. You die once. Okay. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not YOLO. It's Yoda. <laughs> but honestly, I, I feel that way now too. Things I used to feel are, were so paramount to me and they're still important to me now, but I'm not, I, I can let those things go when something more important is on the horizon, such as, you know, I love working out. I love going to the gym and all that. But now I'm someone who can, when there's a lot of stress going on and I'm not sleeping well, I can say, you know what? Just give yourself a break. Just take yeah. a couple of days off. It's not the end of the world. The gym will still be there next week. It'll still week be there. And if not, there'll be another one. You and, know, and if so. you lose a little bit of strength, big deal. You'll get it back in a week or two. Because right now you're not sleeping at all. You're not going to, look, you had a whole night of, of not sleeping. You're not going to have a good workout the next day. And then you can ask yourself, how much strength are you going to get if you're going to the gym tired and stressed out? <laughs> you know. So. Now, I will say this. For some people, it's just a welcome distraction. Like, oh, of course, man. Like I have, I have a friend who's, whose son committed suicide earlier this year. It's horrible. Yeah. And I saw him at the gym maybe a week later. Now, fortunately, I'm not some dumb fuck who, oh, like, oh how are you holding up? You know, you're doing it. Because those are, those are first of all, it's the worst. Clearly, he's not holding up well. He's, he's fucking son just committed suicide so and here he is at the gym probably trying to distract himself and do something positive and have some level of normalcy so when i saw him i didn't bring up anything else like hey man great to see you what are you doing today what are you working on and we, we just chit-chatted and i could tell it it made him feel better for having someone to talk to and, and just I, have some 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 glimpse of normalcy you know instead yeah. of everybody just coming up to him man oh i'm sorry for your loss Oh man, yeah, sorry. I already me. gave him my condolences and said, if you need to talk, I already did that when I saw right. him, when I first heard about it and I saw him at the dog park. 
So I don't, I don't need to keep doing it. So here he is at the gym, poor guy, just trying to do something positive, possibly distract himself. And then some idiot comes up and just brings it all up. You don't need to do It's already on his mind. Right. Well, a lot of times people don't read the room. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's the thing, man. And so my thing is, even in a situation, you know, even if he's looking sad, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm going to try to go with something normal. So if he just feels like, okay, man, I just need to talk. Oh, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> right, yeah. I'm here. What's up? You know, because, but I'm not going to be like, oh, man, I had a feeling you needed to. What? <laughs> it's like, so I'm like, again, sometimes people, well, a lot of times, pretty much almost all the time, people need to read the room and get out of the, get out of their own head and quit trying to, even though they feel like they're trying to be there for someone, they're really still making it about them. Right. <laughs> so they can say, hey, you know, I, I got to go be there for this guy, you know, and because you're feeling like, a superhero or something and you can make the pain go away but what happens when the pain still doesn't go away it gets worse you know you're gonna you're gonna own that as well you know so my thing is just like really be intuitive and read the room remove yourself from the equation until you're invited into the equation into the equation you know so think about it that way so because this is not about you and this is not about making something go away okay so it's, it's kind of one of those things where people kind of um, the misconceptions they have with stoicism. They think that the stoics just, you know, when it came to things that they couldn't control, then they would just ignore them and just like, ah, oh, and, and keep moving forward. And, and so no, what it is, it's like they're, they welcome the adversity because it was a, it was a teaching moment. It was a time to really be human. And, you know, you have to have that challenge because then you really get to see what it is that you're made of. You don't want it to just disappear. And, a lot of times I think people just want the pain. Just I, just, I don't want to feel any discomfort. Just get, just go, just go. Right. And when they see someone else that's in pain, they don't want, they don't like to feel that awkwardness of, I, I need him to be happy because then, yeah. then I don't have to feel all this type of way and feel uncomfortable. So it's not even about the person in pain. It's about you feeling comfortable and, and, and the awkwardness of it all, you know? So no, it's like, no, this is a, this is a moment. This is a moment to actually be human. This is a moment to actually feel some things. Or help somebody get through some things or just leave them the fuck alone and and then let them deal with it and and not add on to whatever they're feeling. (laughs) So I I think whenever you lose a loved one, animal or person, it's an opportunity to become a much more compassionate and better person. That's been my experience with any animal I've lost. It always made me a better person because I felt more compassionate to other people's suffering. And when I remember when Mona passed and I went to pick up her ashes and I just I just went in there and said, picking up my dog's ashes. And this lady that was waiting there overheard me. And then as I was getting back in my car, she came out, she came running over and she just said, Oh, I just heard about your dog passing. I just wanted to say, I'm really sorry. I know how hard that is. Really nice lady. She only had good intentions. She wasn't trying to pitch me on network marketing or, you know, she just wanted she was just being a genuinely compassionate stranger to another stranger. And I'll tell you, that really, that, that made a lot. That, I told her that too. I go, you know what? I, I really appreciate you saying all that to me and taking, coming and going out of your way to say it. I go, that means a lot to me. And it does. I don't know this lady's name. I wouldn't recognize her if I ever saw her. I don't even know if she's still in Las Vegas. But I still remember that moment to this day. And this was well over 10 years ago because it was just the kindness of a stranger. And, th- and that stays with me too. So sometimes when I, there were times where I was in, actually I was in Kansas with Ken and Steve Maxwell teaching a course. And I was staying at this one hotel and I was, I was just getting back from this fun club I was hanging out at. 
And there was a lady, a young lady out front, just crying her eyes out. Now, normally I would have just walked right by. been like, I don't know what's going on with her, but oh, well, I don't know her. So I'm just going to mind my business. But I went over to her and said, hey, I can tell you're in a lot of distress. Like, I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on, but is is there anything I can do to help you out? Do you need me to call a cab for you? And I didn't over, I wasn't overbearing and I didn't, I wasn't pushy. Right. And she, I could just tell just the fact that someone gave a fuck about her in that moment made a big difference. Now, I wasn't using this as a clever way to hit on her. I wasn't, there wasn't any hidden agenda, nothing. I was just being a cool guy in that moment. And it made a difference. So sometimes you, you don't, sometimes we hesitate. We see someone in that's vulnerable and we don't, we it's, it's socially awkward sometimes to approach somebody. Or we're trained. Don't bother them. Yeah. yeah, yeah leave yeah. them alone. Yeah. You know? So, and then just, I mean, that scenario just reminds me just of a famous quote from Maya Angelou, you know, you know, at the end of the day, you know, people won't remember what you said or what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. Yeah, it's true. You know? So true. I've never regretted being a very compassionate person. Over the years, I've had many people that are survivors who read my book, they heard my story, or they read my story, and they reached out to me just to say that it meant a lot for them to read it. And then they, so a lot of times they ask me for advice. And <clears throat> I always take the time. First of all, I, anytime someone sends me an email like that, I never blow it off. I always take the time. And I don't just send a canned response like, oh, thanks a lot for your support and then move on. Right. You know, I take the time to read their story, to give them my feedback, and also to let them know that they're not alone, because that, that's, a, that's a huge thing for anyone that's been through trauma, where they don't feel other people can relate to them. So they just keep it to themselves, and it just eats away at you, because that, that stuff needs to get out. But it's only really helpful when it gets out with someone who understands it, or at least it's not to say that someone who hasn't been through it can't be helpful. Anybody can be compassionate. But sometimes that relatability is really crucial, just like with, with dogs. If I go talk to a stranger about one of my dogs passing and that person has never even had a dog before. It doesn't mean that it's not possible for that person to be compassionate, but that person is not going to inherently get it. They're not going to understand that loss in a visceral way. I mean, the best thing they can do is try to relate it to them losing a human, you know, right. It's one of it takes me back. Um, so I was just talking to a guy the other day about this. Same thing goes with a lot of vets, you know, a lot of vets when they come back here after, during you know being deployed and then they come back home they really have a hard time being here in the world dealing with people like us you know because we weren't there we didn't see the things they saw we didn't go through any of those things with them you know because you and i we're civilians and people like us so and that's the reason why so many of these guys end up going back because it's really hard for them to deal with this i don't even want to call what we deal with every day is normalcy okay it's a different type of war going on you know just dealing with you know people using social media to shape your mind and your decisions and constantly trying to divide everybody and all this where you whereas they're in a world where they can't be divided everybody in their you know in their unit together they all depend on each other and they're all there for each other and they're you know for the most part and you know they're there basically your job is to protect the guy to your left and the right of you you know and front and back you know and you're this you're basically trained to behave as a cohesive unit and, you know, for a common cause, whereas majority of us over here don't really have a common cause, (laughs) you know, and, 
And so and it's really hard to understand what those guys go through because we haven't seen it now. Of course, people see things and they watch a movie and they think they understand or they watch a documentary or they watch the news and then they actually think, you know, but a lot of times they don't. And a lot of times they have this canned response, like as soon as they see someone and they find out that they serve, thank you for your service. You know, to the <laughs> point where to the point where, I mean, I have some vet friends where that it, it becomes just this canned response. You know, exactly. There's no a lot of times people don't that. really put any meaning by that when they say they just like, oh, it's almost as if let's just say like back and they don't really do this anymore for the most part. Whenever a kid or someone sees like a soldier walking by in uniform, you salute them when they walk by because that was what you were told the thing to do. Or, you know, or you see a lady, let's take it back about a hundred and something years because no one does this now, really. You know. You know, you're wearing a hat and a lady comes and she's present. You take your hat off and you kind of tip your head to her, you know, to to greet her, you know, because that was the thing to do. Or when you sat down to eat, you took your hat off when you sat at a table because that's what you were told to do. Not not because it changed anything. It didn't make the food any better or made it any worse. (laughs) So it's just all these things. It was just these things that you were trained to do without even thinking about really what went into the whole thing in the first place. So that's what the whole a lot of times the thank you for your service becomes, you yeah. know, you know, or, you know, people that say I back the blue, <laughs> you know, they're quick <laughs> to say that. And then, you know, as soon as they get a ticket, it's fucking asshole cop, you know, <laughs> like he had to pull me over. Really? You didn't have, you didn't have anything else to do. Son of a bitch. And I'm like, wait, what happened? Hey, you know, you got a blue lives matter stick on the back of your car, right? <laughs> so so I, have, I have some close friends that are vets too. And uh, I'll tell you what I did because number one, I've never served. So I, I'm not going to pretend that I can relate to anything that they've been through, but I'm a compassionate person and I'm good at listening to people. And one of my friends, Angela, she came out to a course that mm-hmm. Steve Maxwell and I taught. <laughs> I, I invited, I was, I was friends with her before that course. She'd been over to my house, worked out with us many times. Nice young lady. So I invited her. I could tell she was she, she had just gotten back from being deployed, and I could tell she was in a just a despondent state from everything she'd been seen out there. So I said, "Look, hey, come on out to the course. You'll have a good time. It'll be a fun environment, positive environment." She came out. She had a great time. Steve was really impressed with her abilities, so she got some positive reinforcement. It was good. I could tell it made a difference. And then I said, "Hey, look, if you want to come over to the house a couple times a week, get a workout in, or come once a week." I didn't say anything about, hey, come over to the house and work out. And then we can talk, too, if you have anything right. to talk about. I didn't say any of that. I just said, come over and work out with me a couple times a week. And so she did. So for maybe the first couple of weeks, we would just work out. And then we would talk about whatever came up, talk about training, talk about movies, whatever came up. Maybe after about a month of this consistency, she started really opening up about things that she had experienced, trauma that she had been through. And I didn't sit there and try to give her advice. Oh, oh you know, here's, here's the three things you need to do. I just sat there and listened to what she had to say, gave whatever feedback I could. I didn't try to be Mr. Fix-It. Okay, I'm right. going to solve this. I, I didn't see her as a problem for me to solve. I didn't do that. I just listened to everything she had to say. And it made a big difference because everyone wants to know that someone gives a fuck, but they, they, want, they don't want a canned give a fuck type response. Right. <laughs> it, it's, it takes time to, love, to develop that level of intimacy where someone can open up. Yeah. But, it's, but if you're if this is someone that you're friends with, you can just find opportunities to spend time and let it unravel naturally if it's going to happen. You go hiking. You don't go there anticipating, okay, we're going to go hiking. And once we get to the top, I'm going to start asking questions about the trauma she's been through. You know, that's forcing it. Right. It's more you let them, you just give them a, I hate to use this word because it's such a corny word. You give them a safe space to open up their emotions. That's all right. you're doing. 
Yeah, because I mean, especially when you're dealing with individuals whose profession teaches them to can their feelings because it can get them right. killed. You right. know, you know, because um, well, in that situation, you know, when they're in that theater, that yeah, you know, it's not the time to really be truly in your feelings. You know, and I think that what ends up happening, like I said, it really gets hard to turn that off when you get here into the civil and, you know, here amongst civilians and where everybody's all about feelings. Like, you know, tell me how you're feeling when your, your, your feelings are valid. Bing, your feelings, your feelings, your feelings like, damn, dude. <laughs> so it's it's and you're now in a situation where also to add on to that, keeping your feelings aside can be even deadlier in this world because you know so it's a catch-22 like yeah you need to kind of contain those feelings when you're there and you're in combat but once you get here in the civilized world yeah it's a situation where you now you can contain those feelings now will be a different type of war you're now in a different type of situation different type of battle and you did you know you went through all that and survived over there just to come back home and pretty much you're just dying a slow death here because you know, you st- now you have all this free time to actually think about the things that you saw, the pe- the things that you've lost right. and, right. you know, and the things that you missed and all that. And so it just becomes a different type of war right. going on. And then when you add I, other I, things I like traumatic brain injury, like we talked about with Dr. Gordon, when you right. add all this stuff, it starts exacerbating those feelings and, you know, a feeling like that, man, you know, it just becomes a lot, a lot yeah. to the point where some people, they just can't bear it. So, you know, I always commend whenever I see any of my friends who are vets and they, they're posting, you know, the, you know, that 22 challenge and, and things like that, you know, just really, you know, I, I do my best to also repost those things because you never know oh, yeah. who sees that and they need to see that. And it's just to get that reminder, you know, especially when it comes from someone else that served, <clears throat> you know, so, and there's been times like uh, one of my, one of my really good friends, you know, he's, he's a Marine vet. And then I had another Man, he's a he's like one of my best friends here in real life, here in the carbon based world. And there's another I'm really good friends with, but we met through Instagram. But it started with the love of guns and shooting and and then from there it just like, you know, became more just okay, we ain't talking about that now. Let's talk about some real stuff. <laughs> you know, let's talk right, about some right. some true right. stuff. And we become really good friends. But so once my Marine buddy here that like here, you know, got onto like Instagram or whatever, I was like, you know, and I know this is a diehard marine so then i was like hey you know what i i connected them through dm i said hey man i need you to meet my boy chris chris it's my boy raymond man i said both of y'all marines even though one of you you know you served in 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 cali and the other one was in um i think north carolina whatever i said but hey y'all still brothers so here you go and they've been good friends ever since since i connected them. you know so you know like they'll talk about things that you know i'm not privy to right and, and that's cool i get that i'm just happy that both of them you know, have that connection now, you know, I'm glad to be a part of that connection because I'm sorry. Okay. Y'all seem like y'all would jail well with each other. It's a good fit. And so, and I, I know the type of folks that I attract as friends. So I'm like, yeah, this, this, I think this will work. And like I said, <clears throat> and to the point where, you know, my boy's like, we sit around having cigars. He said, man, man, you know, your boy is crazy. I'm glad you hooked us up, man. Like, it's like, man, we have some really good conversations, you know, privately with us. Like, okay, good. I need, you know, I, I, I need that because bo- like both are retired, but my boy is retired and he has a lot of free time on his hands and he's very high energy. You yeah. know, he's chill, but he's high energy as well. You know, so I like I say, it's really good. Cause you know, I don't you know, like I said, he's a really good, you know, a really good friend and I don't want him going to any of those dark places, you know, 
Not that he's ever necessarily shown me that, but at the same time, hey, if this can help as a preemptive measure, so be it. You know, right. and I know my other boy, I know he kind of goes through it sometimes because I see him post online. It'll be times where if he comes up missing online, because he posts, he posts religiously every day, all day. But I know for him, you know, but he, and he's like this, I, I've shared some of his posts before, you know, but I know I think, that. I think, goes, I think I know who this person is. <laughs> yeah. But if he goes radio silent, man, you know, and it's been like, okay, sometimes three or four days, I know sometimes he'll just get off social media and he'll go and he likes to go to the drag strip. So he likes drag racing, things like that. And he just goes out. There's this one long, you know, long shooting range that's like in the next state over. He'll go to that or he'll go to like, you know, check out his favorite football team. He'll actually fly out to go see them, you know, because he's a diehard fan. I like it when he does stuff like that and when yeah. he's not just hanging out on social media. Right. You know, so that, that makes me feel good. But if I've seen that there's been no post whatsoever, it's been about a week. And I started like, hey, how you in the DMA, bro? You good? And, you know, he'll sometimes he'll be like, yeah, man, you know, I just have to take a break, man. You know, just kind of kind of going through it. All right, man. So I'm just checking on you. I, I think it's healthy for look, I think it's healthy to take breaks from training, take a week or two off, oh, yeah. just give your body a reset and let your body because otherwise you're in this this bordering on overtraining state all the time. And now you finally give your body a chance to catch up and have a reset. So you come in fresh. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. But I'm also a big believer in doing the same thing for social media or any of these other things. Take a month I mean, yeah, off. You see, I've done a lot I'll of that lately. You know, I just, I'm, I'm going to be doing it right now. I'm taking a week. I'm definitely taking this week off because oh, yeah, man. I've got a lot to think about with Grover. And then what, after he passes, I'm probably going to take another week or two off. Right. I, I mean, like up. I said, it's, and it's right there. So close to, you know, you, you know, you just losing Mickey. So it's kind of like, bam, bam, right. you know, back to back. Kinda, right. You need that, that breather, you know? Right. Right. So, yeah, but I, I've done it a lot more. I, I definitely, I've definitely treated social media like the way I eat. I take long stretches in between. <laughs> so, uh, you know, to the point now, uh, like I'll probably come on like one, maybe once a day for like all of just basically check my, my DMs for people that actually matter. People I'm actually friends with, you know, and, and then if I feel like I'm going to be gone for a week or a month. I'll just let them know, Hey man, I'm, I'm taking a break from this for a little bit. So don't, don't trip. But majority of those, I mean, most of those folks actually have my phone number. Right. I've actually had, you know, that was, I think, July, whatever it was. And I kind of took that month off or whatever. <laughs> I had some of the texts like, hey, man, you good? I said, yep. Just over here taking a breath, man. Just, I said, it's just too much. It was too much. It was too much going on. I was getting tired of everybody, man. It was one of those things where I wish I had done from 2016 to 2020. <laughs> you know with social media because it seems like in the age of trump that's when social media just really went to shit yeah, <laughs> like yeah big yeah. time and everybody got on my nerves on all sides of the spectrum yeah. you know to the point where i was like god it's just like so i'm really good at ignoring people but then there's times where it's just like my ignore meter was it was exhausted like okay one of the best ways to ignore people is just not even be in the presence of these fools because most of these people don't know what they're talking about you know most everybody's a pundit you know just because of their opinion and the way they feel and so it just really got, and it's really hard to really, again, sometimes, like I said, logic can be a curse. When you're seeing people saying stuff that's just not correct. Well, <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's another dissipation of energy too. And when you're in a depleted state because of some kind of trauma in life, you're experiencing either the death of a loved one, or you're going through some health issue or mental health issue, whatever it is, you're dissipating so much energy inherently while you're in that state. Right. 
So, that, so anything you can do to cut out more dissipation is going to help you conserve whatever energy you have and help you rebuild faster. So when you get rid of, I, some, a lot of times I delete that Instagram from my phone. So it's not even there. It's not even yeah. an option for me to look at. Now, obviously I could just download it again in two seconds, but it's a reminder to me not to do that. I go, look, you took it off your phone for a reason. So take the week off. Now, if you can't even take a week off, you got a problem. Oh, so yeah, that's, a, that's an issue. Gonna, that's a different you're issue. Gonna, you're about to learn something else about yourself. So <laughs> right. You a week off, you're about to take a month off. You're about to take three months off. And not have a big, it's not a big deal. Like, what else? That you have nothing to do with your time that you enjoy doing? I mean, for right. me, the weather's starting to get nice again. So yeah, I man. I, I just walked out. Yeah, I just walked out right before we started recording to let my dog out. I was like, ooh, I was, I was sitting there contemplating, like, now if it wasn't for the fact we still got some mosquitoes around here from that month that it just decided to rain nonstop all day (laughs) because we went the whole summer with no mosquitoes which was very weird for texas yeah but we didn't start getting them until the end of august because that's when it decides just to rain nonstop it was like okay we were in triple digits with no rain for three months straight and then it just august right there the last couple weeks i was made up for all the rain we didn't get and i was like damn it here come the mosquitoes and man, they have been massive. So now they're starting, it's, it's cooling off a bit. When I say cooling off, it's like low nineties, <laughs> which is cooling off for us. That's fall. It's starting to feel normal now, you know? So now they're kind of minimizing, but I just went outside, you know, earlier before we started recording, I was like, God, I actually want to just sit out here on, you know, like I said, we just moved to this house a few months ago. And that, what I've been looking forward to is the day I can actually just sit out on my patio and do the podcast from there while I'm smoking a cigar and, and drinking my coffee or drinking my tea. And today it felt so good outside. I was like, dang, today is one of those days. And then a mosquito bit me. I was like, and no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't miss, I don't miss those summers back East. That Ooh, where you man. Just got eaten alive by it. it was hot and humid. You have to take a shower every time you leave. Yeah. The house. Yep. And then you get eaten alive by mosquitoes. Fortunately, we don't, we don't have any mosquitoes in Vegas. I mean, every once in a while there's a, bizarre events where maybe it rained and it got damp somewhere and all of a sudden mosquitoes are around but that's i can only think of that happening maybe once or twice out of all the years we've lived out here yeah so i mean like i said i think i'm about a good week or two probably by the next time we record i think i can actually just really enjoy it because it, getting, like getting out in the nature really helps i mean going back to this whole going back to the, the grieving process yeah. we'll, we'll keep it focused on just losing an animal just to keep it on point uh, my advice for the grieving process is be sad for as long as you need to be sad. I mean, a lot of times people feel that, okay, I'm going to be sad for two days and I'm just going to get, I gotta right get back to work. I gotta get back to uh, life. I mean, you, you may be sad for many months. And I'm not saying that you just crawl up in a ball and you don't leave your house. You don't do anything. You, you don't do anything that you enjoy, but be, be sad for as long as, as you need to be sad. Or you may not even be sad right away. You may not be sad for another month. Yeah. It might hit you a year from now. You just, yeah. you're looking, you're watching someone, you just happen to see something. All of a sudden you just start bawling out of nowhere. But guess what? It's not out of nowhere. It's just, there's that part of you that now it's ready to deal with the grieving process. Dude, it's like, I remember, I remember we were watching a, an episode of like, this is us, like the second season. And one of the characters found his dad because you know he was adopted. He found right, his dad. Right. And when he found his dad, you know, and first he had to get over the whole thing because he felt like he was abandoned. Like, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you love me enough to want to keep me? You know, at the time that he was born, the dad was, you know, and the mom both were drug addicts. And so in order to save him, you know, the dad dropped, you know, dropped him off at the fire station, you know, so because he knew that, well, the mom had overdosed. 
And when the authorities got there, the dad took the son because they know once they got there and realized that they were both a drug user, they were going to take, you know, take the kid and put him in foster care or whatever. He had been in the system and that would have been bad. So he felt like it had been better off taking him to the fire, fire department and, you know, go from there. Of course, it's like the 70s, you know, and 80s or whatever. You know, I don't know how, if they still do that. But anyway, once he finally found his father, you know, then they started kind of building a relationship. And just as he was finally letting his barriers down and getting close to his dad, he finds out this guy has cancer, you know, and then basically he just like, he just felt betrayed, you know, just felt so angry about it because the dad knew he had cancer and he just didn't want to tell him about it to the point it was almost too late. And right. so, and I don't know what it was that episode, dude, the, the whole cancer thing. Then it just, I don't know. It's just like, I kind of, the show was on, but all of a sudden everything got blurry. It got quiet. It started sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher. So I just like, whoop, whoop, whoop. I couldn't yeah. hear anything. And then yeah. I was sitting there, dude. I was actually sitting at, um, at, at, at the kitchen island watching it. You know, and Paulette was on the couch watching it, whatever. And so all of a sudden, I just, I, I lost my shit. <laughs> I lost my shit. Cause it's just like, you know, everything just like with my dad and, you know, and, and by that time it was, it, it was probably about 12 years after my dad had passed, you know, and I just lost it. And again, getting back to how your, your dogs can be so in tune with you, dog, uh, dude, it's like my dog right then, like he got to me before my wife could. Like he just jumped up and he's just like, he just jumped on my lap and he's just like, the look on his face. He's like, what, what, you know, what's wrong? Like you can just see the concern in his face. And then, you know, then my other dog came and like, dude, they were, they were just sitting there like they were just doing their best. Like they, it's almost like a threat had shown up or something because they were looking around and almost like the guard me. <clears throat> and then it's just like, <clears throat> they would not leave my side for the rest of that night. No matter what, no matter when if I was going to the bathroom, they were right there following me. And then they'd sit outside the door, you know, it's just like, dude, they was, so it's just, like I said, it really says a lot when you spend so much time with your animal. Cause they truly, I honestly think that your animal knows you more than the person that your significant other will ever know you. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like I said earlier, when we started this, you know, there's no judgment. Your animal doesn't judge you. If you, bust out crying in the middle of this is us <laughs> you know so because they don't understand what that is they just know like hey my human is not good right now and let me do what i can so you know he's there trying to first he was concerned then he starts trying to act a little silly it's almost like they know it's like and sometimes kids are like that you know because one thing about kids they're very much in tune to you you know when they're small before you start indoctrinating with your bullshit you know when you just let them be them like I said, they don't, because they came out in this world and they, this is one thing they knew naturally, happiness. All this other stuff, depression, anger, blah, blah, a lot of that was taught, you know, so, because they would, it was, it's the environment they're in for the most part, but inherently just knowing love and compassion, they're, they're born with that. Kids care, you know, animals truly the domesticated ones really care. Hell, sometimes the ones in the wild care, you know, even more, you know, if they don't feel threatened. But a lot of times people don't give them the chance to do that, you know? So you've seen a lot of these videos where you've seen like someone that rescued like a tiger as a cub and whatever. And they haven't seen them for years, 20 years later, the tiger season is just like, or the lion. And it's just like, he's jumping and hugging on this human, <laughs> you know, whereas anybody else was thinking, like, Oh my God, he's going to get eaten up by that lion. You know, it's just something about it. At the end of the day, we're all energy, man. And we're all, you know, we're all connected. All living things were connected somehow, man. 
when we're in tune with ourselves and who we are. So, so yeah, kind of took a woo-woo turn there. <laughs> but no, that's good. It is what it is, you know. Yeah, it's good. You know, you never know when those. I've had that experience with even to this day. My mother passed in 2015. And sometimes I'll just be a one, one time I was at the parking lot at a grocery store. I was just about to go in there and get a few things with Raina. And I just started crying because I yeah. just thought about my mom that moment. And it just came right out. It was like an involuntary response. Yeah. You know, it wasn't something where I'm about to cry and I go, okay, let me just bury that down so I can go in the grocery store and, right. and, and get some things and then go home. It, it just came right out. It's almost a good thing that, you know, you're not given a chance to suppress it, you know? No, it's good because it has to. It has to come up. Because that's Cause the, that's probably why it's coming out like that because it's been suppressed in so many situations. It's like, you know what? Time's up, buddy. Well, sometimes you, it's not even suppressed. It's just that I think it's like what you said. is like sometimes it comes out in waves. Yeah. Like, when my mother passed away, I definitely didn't suppress the sadness. I was really sad for a long time. You know, I let, I let all that out. I, I wasn't something where I go, okay, let me just bury this down and I'm just going to keep myself busy with work and right. training. I, I let myself grieve, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily all going to come out at once. Exactly. We don't know exactly like what, how much volume <laughs> yeah. of it is. It's like, and sometimes you think like, okay, it's been a month. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel normal now. I'm starting to move on. And you know, your, your heart is like, mm, nah, not really. But well, you know I, I always think of, I always think of what Rumi says about sadness, where Rumi said there's a seed of happiness in sadness because the only reason you're sad is because it meant so much. The only reason you're sad at the loss of a loved one is because that person meant so much. You're sad because you lost your dog because it meant so much. I would be more, it would be more problematic to me if I didn't feel anything. Right. Like, oh yeah, Grover died. No big thing. Oh well, I'll just go get another. You dog. Go get another. Like a lot yeah. of people do it. Like, or people suggest, like, well, you know, can't you get, a, you know, just why don't you get another one so you won't be sad? <laughs> oh, okay. So when your child dies, you know, something like that, it's like, oh, why don't you just go right. have another one? You know. So well, the, well, you know, people like that are not even do that. dating with. You know, if someone if someone tells you something like that, there's no point even engaging. Nah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You just walk away. Well, they definitely yeah. don't get it because they, 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 they think. Our, they think Talk of living things people. as things, you know? Yeah, no, it's exactly right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're looking at it as an accessory loss. Big deal. You go to the store and get another one. But if it's the thing is, is that it's only useful to talk to other people if, number one, it's really useful if they get it too, because it, it feels good to be around other people who get it. That's, that's number one. Now, number two, if the other person doesn't get it in a personal way, if they can show any compassion, that also helps because I've done that with strangers before where I, I can't necessarily relate to what they're going to, right. but I actually stopped. I stopped and listened to that person. I didn't just say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that and just keep walking. I actually, and that's one thing I've learned from just losing people and animals over the years is that you, you can slow down and give someone a little bit of time. You know, you don't have to, I'm not saying that you do a stop and chat with every single person you see, but sometimes you see someone who's really distraught it's not going to kill you to take a few minutes out of your day and maybe say a kind thing or just let that person know that you're there witnessing their suffering and that it bothers you to the point where you want to let that person know that you're there if you can help in some way. Right. And a lot of that, that makes a difference because I've had strangers do that for me before. Like the lady I talked about who was there when I picked up Mona's ashes mm-hmm. and it did make, it seemed like something seemingly insignificant, but it really did make a big difference to the point where I remember it, it burned into my memory as if it happened yesterday. I can just visualize it in my mind. Yeah. Man, talking about those moments, like just sometimes come out of nowhere, even just thinking about, um, like I said, my dog that we were talking about earlier, 
So I love Chris Stapleton, you know, his music. There's one song though, it just drives me crazy. And this oh, Maggie. Maggie song. Oh my yeah. God, dude. Yeah. First time I heard that and I was in my truck, I was like, I cursed him that does, you motherfucker. <laughs> like it just made me start thinking about all that again, man. Maybe just think about my dog Isabella and then dude. Then I was like, yeah, I, you're not going to have me crying while I'm driving on this highway, bro. I'm like, nah, we ain't doing that today. <laughs> so. I, I love that song. I made, I made a compilation. I actually put it on Raina's Instagram page. It's, it's all these pictures of Mickey in a, what do they call that? A collage. Right? Collage. Or, yeah. yeah Where well, you got the music playing, but it's like showing different pictures. In the video. Yeah, it's a, exactly. It's, it's a yeah. collage of all these different pictures. It's a real, I guess, is what yeah, they call it on Instagram. But anyway, yeah. I put that song in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yep, won't be watching that. <laughs> no, no, I know. I, I don't, I don't expect me, anyone else to watch it. I put it up so I can watch it. From yeah. time to time. <laughs> I said, like, that damn song, man. I was like, ah. I, I will say this. When you have a, when you have, the worst is when a dog dies suddenly. Like they, they're seemingly, they're young, they're healthy. Like the scenario you're talking about. Right. They're young, they're healthy. And then all of a sudden they're gone because you're like, wait a minute. Because with Grover and Mickey, I knew that their time was coming to an end with me. Right. So I, I knew that. So I, I, I made a point of being at the house more. Not that I'm gone all the time, but I made a point of just being kind to Grover more so than normal and sitting with him and giving him his favorite foods. I go, look, I don't think he has much time left. So I'm not going to just make him eat food he doesn't want to eat. I'm just going to, whatever his favorite foods are at this point, I'm just going to make those every day and give it to him. Right. And I could tell he was enjoying that. The last couple of weeks, he's, he's enjoying the Elvis. I mean, he was really excited to eat. Even up this past weekend, we we're watching the UFC. He's eating all this bread and peanut butter sandwiches and salmon and eggs, all of his favorite foods, carrots. So that was just a couple of days ago. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Yeah. But now, now his appetite is shut off. And it made me glad that I did that for him. Because imagine if I said, oh, you know, he doesn't want to eat. Let me just get his favorite foods. And now he doesn't want to eat at all. So he can't even enjoy it. Right. Well, at least I was able to mentally prepare myself and make it as comfortable for him as possible so that for myself more than him, I can say I, I was there for him and, and took the time to nurture him with the time I had left. I remember the day that Carol decided that it was the right thing to do, but me down. So she, we were going to do with that late that afternoon. So I was about to, I was getting ready to go work out. Like, okay, let me go get a workout in before we do it. And then I just looked and saw Mickey in his little bed sleeping away. And I go, you know what? He's going to be gone in a couple hours. Skip the workout. Go tomorrow or the next day. Just spend some time with Mickey. So I picked him up, just put him on my lap and just sat there with him. No yeah. music on, no TV, nothing. Just sat there with him, recorded a little bit of it for about an, an hour or two. And I'm glad I did that. And I'm glad I did that. So some, sometimes these, these lessons of loss, they help you prioritize things too. Oh, yeah. They help you put what's most important foremost. Where, yeah, it gives you a really good it gives you a really good perspective, and it gives you it, it's you know each time you have a dog, you learn how to be a better person to that dog. I feel that Raina is getting the best version of me. Not that I wasn't a good version with Grover and other dogs, but but, but I have but so each, much each one you're learning more and more. You yeah. know, and, and yeah, you're yeah. you're stripping exactly. away less of the, the unnecessary stuff that you thought that, you know, that you may think like, oh, well, I need to do this, this, and this. Like, nah, they don't really care about that. Just a little bit more of this right here. Well, see, Raina, Raina's the first dog I've ever designated as a therapy dog. So I got her certified. She wears mm -hmm. a therapy jacket. And now she can go everywhere with me. So guess what? She does go everywhere with me. She goes to the casino. She goes to the grocery store, restaurants, doctor's office, you name it. She's been everywhere. 
And I wish I did that with Grover. I just never thought about doing that. But Grover would have loved that because Grover always wanted to be by my side. So yeah. I would take him. I would take him anywhere where I could take him inside that place or we're going hiking or something like that. But I could have had him designated as a therapy dog too when he was younger, and he would have loved going to all these places that Raina's going to. So I can't do that. I can't rewind time and yeah. go back in time and do that, but I can do that with her. And it's really good for socializing a dog too, because they see the world. The world is not as much of a mystery anymore when they've been exposed. Like, oh, okay, that's what's in that building that we drive by. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, that's what people are doing in a casino. This, this, this place kind of sucks. I don't think I want to come out here. <laughs> it smells <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> well, I don't take Raina off into the casino because I don't want her to breathe in all that smoke. This one's, it smells yeah. funny. <laughs> I take her every once in a while because I feel that if she can be calm in that environment, yeah. she's good. And she can so like hopefully these humans can learn something from her. You know, because not, they're you know not what? calm in that environment. It makes everyone's day. I feel like I'm spreading happiness when I take her out and about because anytime I've taken her to a casino, I feel like I'm walking with some celebrity because people get excited. They're like, Oh, look at that dog. Oh, what a beautiful <laughs> dog. People come up to me constantly and say, Oh, your dog's so well behaved. What a beautiful dog. You know, very nice people. I tell you, you meet the nicest people when you're out and about with your dog. Because those are the people that come up with you. The people that normally come up to you when you don't have a dog, those, those are usually people that are trying to pitch you on yeah, something. They want something. <laughs> like, Network marketing, or they're trying to get you to come there to check out their church this Sunday, or whatever it is, <laughs> trying to pitch you on something. But when right. you have a dog and you're walking around, because there's a lot of dog lovers out there, and they may Vegas is a tourist town, so a lot of people are coming out of here. Maybe their dog's at home. Yeah. They see you with the dog. I was with Raina at the link one time, and we were just walking up and down on a Wednesday night. So it was crowded, but not super crowded the way it would be on a weekend. And I'll tell you, I did so many stopping chats with people, nice people, people just coming up going, Oh, can I pet your dog? Your dog's so beautiful. And they're showing me pictures of their dogs. And it was cool. I was on, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> because <laughs> this is, it's unusual for someone who looks like me to have strangers come up and try to say anything. <laughs> I don't purposely try to look intimidating, but a lot of people perceive me as that way. So they're like, yeah, let's just leave that guy alone. And I'm okay with that. So I don't want to be bothered. Yeah. It's a good thing. <laughs> but I don't mind being bothered by people when I'm with Raina because they're always the nicest people. It makes yeah. my day too. It makes their day. And I'm going, cool, man. There's some really good people out here. Feel You, you feel better about it. Well, feel better yeah, about like you should, then you realize just how much, you know, social media and, and the news, and how much they lie to you. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> for people who can't decipher it. It's like, whenever I hear people say this, this country is more divided than ever. I'm like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, really when's the last is. time you actually been out amongst people that live in this country? Like it's, it's not just Democrats coming up to me or Republicans, yeah, just people, everybody. I've had people with Trump hats on coming up to me. I've had people that are at least their energy projects that they're very far they're, to the left and they're right. all nice people. They're all fine. You know, we don't have exactly. to talk about politics. Hey, well, maybe we let dogs run the government, man. We'll be better off. Because <laughs> yeah. we have common ground here. They go, oh, hey, here's a guy you can tell he loves his dog. I love my dog. So I bet he's a cool guy. Right. And a lot of times people that, really love their dogs are good people (laughs) more often than not they're really good people because it's it says a lot about someone when you're when you're that kind of a compassionate person it's a demonstration of it so you learn when you look at that it's like you see two people with a dog like oh my god look at that there's a satanist right there and there's a catholic (laughs) like what do you see i see i see two people with with dogs (laughs) and that's what they see right now they're not even talking about all that Uh, stuff i've had goth people come up i've had punk rockers i've had (laughs) skirt shirt crew you know, <laughs> you name it, everybody and they're all nice people they're all cool people so it's cool it's like you know what if, if if i didn't bring Raina, i may never have talked to any of these people and i might have just 
made some judgment that we all make when we see a stranger. Right. We just it's just automatic that we do that. People see me, they see they, they perceive me as something which may or may not be true. You probably not most of the time. I see other people. You make this conclusion. I go, oh, this person's dressed like this, or they're probably like this, and they may or may not be. Right. But you, when you actually interact with people, you realize, okay, my preconceived notions are not always wrong, but they can definitely be wrong. Well, you're just that's basically, good. okay, that, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. That interaction wasn't as bad as I thought it could be, you know? Yeah, yeah. And honestly, it makes me feel better having Raina. When I have to go run errands on my own, right? You're going to the grocery store, you're doing whatever it is you do. I always bring Raina with me. And it's not, it's a, it's a little less boring. Tedious, yeah. <laughs> it's a little less tedious that she's, it makes me feel better. And, it, and she finds it fun, which makes it more fun for me. She's like, oh, cool. We're going to a grocery store. I get to see all kinds of food in there. <laughs> like, this place smells great. <laughs> like, what is this place? I like it. <laughs> yeah, man. But I, th- I think the final thing I'll say about this is that it's one thing we did with Mickey is we have a really good picture of Mickey. We had that Carol goes to this, this flea market on the other side of town. And this lady makes blow up pictures out of pictures from your phone. And so we made, we had a really nice picture of Mickey made. It's framed. I'm looking at it right now. It's in my office. So I see that every day. I'm going to, there's one where actually my Instagram profile pic right now where I'm lying back and Grover's on my shoulder. I'm going to make a big picture of that, put that up in my office too. Because I'll tell you this, if you, I don't have a lot of pictures of some of the dogs I had. It was actually pre-smartphone. So this is when you you had to go get it developed somewhere. Yeah. And sometimes I'll, I'll look at these pictures and it's been so long since I've seen that dog. I was like, man, I forgot what Mona looked like. Yeah, that's how I feel about Isabella. Like I, have, I think I have one picture of her, you know? Because, again, this is, like you said, this pre-digital phones. It's like, it was so early. Like, the, the pixels sucked back then. So, you know, you're still taking pictures with film and taking them to Walgreens or whatever, and you're waiting a day or whatever. So, only <laughs> and, and now, then you got to go back and try to find them so you can scan them or take a picture of them now. So right. there's no telling where they, you know, especially during the time where I moved out and all that. So there's no telling where those pictures end up. I just happen to find them. I do have some old hard drives from back in the day. And I'm sure there's some photos on there from my digital camera that I had at that time. I know people like a oh, digital what? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I'm pretty sure one of those hard drives has some more pictures of her. But yeah, it's, it's really cool because, um, so there's a the place where we get our our dog's food. One of the owner's wife is an artist. And so she was doing these hand sketches of dogs. When you send her, send her a picture, she would actually do a painting of them. And like, dude, she did one of both of our dogs. I have them in my whiskey room now. It's so cool. I mean, it looks just like them. So, you know, I, that's probably like the highlight of my room in that, in that room for me. You know, having them having their portraits on the wall like that. So I was like, "Look at y'all portrait. You got your own little self portrait painted for of you." I said, "I don't even have that." So <laughs> they could care less, but still. <clears throat> but yeah, man, it feels good like now in this age where you can just have so many more photos. Like I actually have photos just dedicated to them, you know, just to them, and I got videos and all this other stuff. So when they're out being silly out in the yard, whatever, I, it feels good to have those videos now. And you know, you can always have that that momentum. Yeah, you know, absolutely. that's why I started an Instagram page for Reyna so I can document stuff. Yeah. And I, I have pictures of Grover and Mickey there, too. So it's basically all in one place. It's easy to access. Yeah. And then I'm fortunate where a lot of these YouTube clips I made where I'm either talking on the couch or I'm outside mm-hmm. demonstrating kettlebell drills. 
all the dogs are around. I've got yeah, tons of clips like that. that. Rovers in almost, like Rovers in almost every clip. So I, I have that to go back and look at too, whenever I feel nostalgic or I, or I, or I miss him, that stuff is there. And that, that kind of stuff makes a huge difference. Yeah. It really does. And then at some point, I think the final thing on this, at some point, you know, whenever someone has to put a dog down or they die in this terrible way, your initial reaction is, I don't want to ever feel that again. Like I'm never going to get another dog. That's how you feel. And I get that, but I can promise you, you will get another dog. Yeah. yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm listening. Of, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. It's a matter of, <laughs> believe me, it's a matter of time because each dog got bonded. When I, when I, when I first got Grover, I was like, man, I'm never going to have this kind of connection with another dog. Grover and I are so bonded. Like this dog loves me from the day I picked him up at the shelter. He's sitting in shotgun in my Honda Civic. It's just looking at me the whole time. And once we got back to the house and he had a meal, he, he wanted to be by my side from that night until now. Yeah. And I, I, I thought I'm never going to have that kind of bond with the dog again. And now I don't have that exact bond with Raina, but it's similar enough. The right. She and I are definitely bonded in a, in a slightly it's a, way, but similar enough. It's a different type of bond, but, you know, that that capacity, you know, so that that intensity is still there. Yeah. You know, so is the, that that energy is still there, even though it looks different. And that is the that is the number one thing that will help you heal is taking care of another dog by far. Number one, I'm not saying go do it the next day or even a month. Take as much time as you need. You may you may need to even not have a dog for a year. If yeah, I was about to say it might take a year or so, you know. Yeah, but but eventually, believe me, you're gonna want another dog. Especially being around if you see other dogs out of mind, you see other people, yeah. you yeah. know, being happy with their dogs, you're gonna miss that happiness. You're gonna be like, you know what? <laughs> You know, and it's pretty much out of out of respect for the dog you lost. It's like, you know, I need I need to pass this energy on. I need to take that love and give it to another animal and give them a chance to have a, a better chance at life. You know, it's, it's to my I owe that, you know, to the one that you lost. Yeah, and there's the shelters or there's no shortage of dogs that need homes at the shelter. No. All right. There's <laughs> there's more dogs than that are than are, sadly, there's more dogs in shelters than are ever gonna find good homes exactly but you can't make a difference for every dog but you can definitely make a difference for one dog or two dogs or how many dogs however however many dogs you end up getting you can it's going to believe it's going to make all the world difference to them you know the last thing with grover that is a heart is also heartbreaking is that my, my grover actually my mother came up with that name for grover because I remember my mom came out to visit in Vegas when we first moved out here and I was looking at dogs in the shelter and I came across Grover and Grover looks very similar to Mona. He's got the white streak in his chest, terrier mix. Mm -hmm. So I showed my mom the picture and she's like, Oh, what a nice dog. We should go visit him. I'm like, all right. Because I was on the fence. I was just looking, but you know, when you're looking, it's usually not by accident. (laughs) Right. But anyway, so she wanted to go visit Grover with me. His name was Boko at that time. (laughs) It's always funny to look back at the names that they originally had. Boko, you know, (laughs) So anyway, so anyway, Grover was in the, he, I mean, they were doing a good job at the Animal Foundation. He wasn't in a cage. He had space to move around. He had an outdoor area and all that. But you could tell he was in stress. He's in a shelter. It's not a fun place to be. And my mother said, oh, what a nice dog. You should definitely get him. My mom's a big animal lover. She, she would have rescued every dog at that shelter if she could have. But she goes, rename him. She goes, you should rename him Grover. Though. That's a much better name. And I was like, yeah, that's a damn good name. Because people tell me all the time, too. They go, man, he looks like a Grover. I said, <laughs> name for him. Because he really does. So that's, I always, after my mom passed, I always dreaded the day when Grover's going to pass. Because that was the last big connection. Whenever I think of Grover, I think of her. Because she was with me when I got him. She's the one who gave him that name. 
So that, that, that was something I knew was going to hit me hard. But at the same time, it allowed when my mother did pass, it was I, I took solace in the fact that Grover's around. Right. Now, most importantly, Carol was around because Carol met my mom several times. Hmm. You know, so we can actually talk about my mom. And I'm not just talking about someone she never met. She, right. actually, her, Carol, she met her in Los Angeles. My parents used to come over to the house couple times a year so we'd all go out to dinner so she actually interacted with them she spent time with them so that that helps tremendously that helps the most but grover still being alive when my mother passed and also not just being alive but he was still really healthy that made a big difference it really did yeah so man i'm i'm just hoping that um and i really feel like it, it does but i really feel like this i hope this episode helps a lot of people you know and you know, after these last, like I said, some reason, almost every episode we end up coming back to this. After these last couple of years, man, with all the stuff that was going on and people having so many losses and things like that, you know, and so many people just kind of at this point just moving on, like that never happened. A lot of people didn't even get a chance to grieve losing anyone in those last couple of years because they were locked down and couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't yeah. be with people, whatever. So I, I, loss right now hits very different, differently. <laughs> you know, in a post pandemic world, you know? So I just like, so I just hope that um, is with my hope that this episode helps bring a lot of solace to a lot of people, man, who are losing people, not just, you know, their four legged friends, but even their two legged loved ones as well. You know, just really, just really looking at death is this thing like this, this, that guarantee, but here's another thing. Death is one of those things that um, it's, it's a great eye opener to life, you know, and just really putting life in perspective and, and not standing still and being frozen by death itself. But basically, like I said, when you really look at it for what it is and be, be realistic with it, but at the same time, still being human, it can, it can help you move forward as well. So that's what I'm hoping that this episode can really do is just help some people who have grieving the loss of their four-legged friends and, or they may have a four-legged friend right now that's kind of going through some stuff and they're kind of feeling distraught and not knowing exactly how to feel. And, you know, just hopefully it can just serve as, like I said, here's a couple of guys that we understand and, and just know that we get it. We've been there. We're, some, we're going through it and we'll go through it again. So we get it. So, and so you're not alone. No, absolutely. And that, that's the most important thing. Some people live alone. They don't have anyone to talk to or they don't have anyone that can relate. Something, something like this can't take the place of that, but at least you're connecting with other people that do feel that way. And whenever people email me, I've had people email me about losing an animal over the years as well. And I, I, I always prioritize those emails too. I'll always give people a lot of time because I know how difficult that is. Yeah. And sometimes I feel that they're, they're reaching out to me because they know I'll get it and they may not have anyone in their right. life. That's it. That's why they're reaching out to me, even though they don't know me. So the least I can do is just send them a couple paragraphs about my perspective and just let them know. Yeah, I get it. I know exactly what you're going, maybe not exactly, but I know enough of what you're going through that I can relate to it and that I, I, I can feel bad hearing about what's going on and have compassion. So I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Yep, I think so. <laughs> Went to some really good places with this conversation. So, uh, like I said, like I said, I think it can be very beneficial to a lot of people. But uh, so, yeah, folks, there you have it. Um, basically, we're gonna wrap it up right there, and I guess we'll see you guys on the next episode. So, take care, everybody.
Take care, everyone. That wraps up this week's Live Life Progressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Progressive show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media, on Facebook, as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.